Well, this morning, I've been thinking about this morning for a little while, and uh, it's kind of challenged me a bit, so I hope that it'll challenge you too. And uh, I'm just going to get a bit real this morning. You all know me. I don't beat around the bush, and so I'm going to get straight into it. It almost always starts with a dream, right, when we're born. God knits us together, fearfully and wonderfully made to fulfill the purpose for which he intends. And this comes in many forms. Hopefully, our everyday lives are an outward working of what God is doing in us and through us. And we call it different things. The dreams that we have for God also come about in many different ways. We have names for it all. Sometimes we might call it a bucket list, a wish, a dream, a desire, our purpose, what I'd like to really do one day. We all kind of term these God-given things. And as we go on this journey, God reveals more of it and we explore more of it. And hopefully one day it all comes together and we understand that is the will of God or that is not the will of God. And this morning I want to talk about what our dreams look like when life is hard. God in his amazing wisdom gives us amazing stories to reflect upon that hopefully help us to realise that we're not the only person on the planet who has gone through a hard time. And he gives us some guidelines to get through it. The story of a guy named Joseph starts in Genesis 37. And if there ever was really an unfortunate turn of events, uh, Joseph had those. Many of you know the story. He was the youngest. He was outspoken. He was the favourite child who flaunted his father's gifts and the jealousy of his brother begins a roller coaster ride of ups and downs in his life. I work with 16 and 17-year-olds every day. Does anyone know one, you know, relatively well? So here's a 16-year-old kid who has a dream that one day all of his brothers are going to bow down to him. I even remember when I was 16, what would I have done with that piece of information if I had it? If God had given me a dream that I was going to be the boss, do you know what I would have done? I would have totally told everyone. I would have totally told everyone. And Joseph was no exception. And maybe the 16-year-olds that you're thinking of, they would have done the same thing. It would be like a na, 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 na. I'm going to be the boss. Now, if you are sitting in church today and you are 16 or 17, you are the exception of the rule. Because you are humble and kind and gentle and all of that stuff. I'm just talking about what I would have done. I'm trying to pull myself out of a pit. Um, His brothers, so they became very jealous and they actually conspired to kill him. And um, But then they relent and they decide to throw him in a pit. And then they relent and they drag him out and they sell him to Midianite merchants. And scholars say he was 17 years old. The dream looks pretty average from the pit. Anyone had a false accusation from a family member? Or someone, (laughs) all the hands are going up in the front row. (laughs) It feels pretty bad. I remember when my brothers used to dip me in for things I never even did. My mum would say, why is there a dent in the car? Oh, that was Beck and she was nine. You know what I mean? It's like... That's not okay. It's not okay. And often these false accusations that come from people who are closest to us, they really, they hurt us the most. The Lord was with Joseph. Let me read you. I'm actually going to read you the whole chapter of, of Genesis 39. 
Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites uh, who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. He lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, so it was obvious, when he saw that his master, um, sorry, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all of that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Everyone needs a Joseph in their lives. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Joseph was well built and handsome and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make a sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. But she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. And she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Joseph didn't do anything wrong. But while Joseph was in there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison wardens. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those he held in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and made him succeed in whatever he did. Now, if I was Joseph, I would have been a cranky pants. Ripped off. Joseph was ripped off. He was falsely accused and thrown into prison. I just want you to let that sink in for a minute because I think that there are some people here today who you kind of feel like you've done nothing wrong and yet your circumstances are trash. 
And it feels really unfair if you think about it from a human perspective. If we think about it from a human perspective, we think that bad things happen to bad people. And if we're a good person, then good things should happen. If we do all the right things, if we follow the integrity of the Lord and if we follow his word, Joseph stood up to Potiphar's wife and said, there's no way, there's no way. I've been in part of charge of everything, but I am not in charge of you. I've been given everything, but not you. I'm not going to sin in the sight of God. He wasn't worried about Potiphar. And I think sometimes our human condition doesn't do us much good when it comes to reckoning with things that society kind of tells us, with the society in which we brought up in, that we do bad things, bad things happen. We do good things and good things happen. And we've kind of got this mindset and that's how we process. We don't know how to process it when we make good choices and bad things happen. What do we do with that? Joseph stood up to Potiphar's wife and he ran from trouble. And most of us would think that is rewardable behavior. That's our problem. We tend to think that circumstances should at least reflect our lives and our good choices a little bit, right? If I do nice things for people, if I try to do everything right, I get rewarded for my good decisions and things should be okay. You see, this is where our human condition gets us into all kinds of trouble. It's because of our expectations. We expect that when we make good choices, good things happen. It makes no sense to us when we make good choices and bad things happen. And this is where most of the Christians, this is, this is a crucial point for a Christian because it's often where we become undone. We begin to doubt the promises of God. We begin to doubt the joy, the victory. We begin to doubt the forgiveness. We begin to doubt the healing. We begin to doubt all of these kinds of things go havoc in our brain because we don't know how to process when we do all the good things and something bad happens. What do we do with that church? What do we do with that Christian? In the church, the society is full of Christians who have left God because they become undone at this point because they blamed God for something bad that happened. Can you imagine being Joseph? Can you imagine doing everything right and being in charge of Potter's, Potiphar's entire household? Being at the top and everything's great. Everything's great. And then a false accusation comes. As far as we know, Joseph didn't ask for a coat from his dad to be one step ahead from his brothers. Joseph seemed a pretty decent guy. He loved God. He was just treated really badly. I think one of the hardest things to do when something bad happens is to stay away from sin. We can get bitter. We can get angry. We can let doubt set in and become part of our lifestyle. I think one of the hardest things dealing with difficult circumstances is to stay away from sin. To be integrous, to have integrity when all the chips are down has to come from God. (laughs) That kind of strength has to come from God. Are you feeling like that today? Are you feeling a little undone? Are you feeling a little ripped off by your set of circumstances right now? 
Have you got your cranky pants on with God and giving him a hard time because you don't understand where you're at right now? Well, let me encourage you. The Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph in prison. And the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph in the pit. The story goes on and there's two other guys. There's a cupbearer and a baker. And they both end up in jail. Joseph interpreted a dream for the cupbearer and said, Hey, when you see the king, tell him of my kindness. Put a good word in for me. And it says it in Genesis 40, 14. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. And just as Joseph had said, he interpreted this dream that the cupbearer had. And he goes, don't worry about it. In three days' time, you're going to be restored to your position. And three days later, it's Pharaoh's birthday and there's a big celebration. And the cupbearer gets restored. And he, the baker also had a dream and he interpreted the dream. And he said, in three days' time, you're going to be impaled. And in three days' time, the, yeah, wouldn't you love that dream? Um, the baker was impaled and the cupbearer was restored to Pharaoh. And so that's why Joseph said, remember, remember me when you go back up there because you're going to be restored. And then when you talk to Pharaoh... Put in a good word for me. And just as Joseph has said, the cupbearer was restored to his position. And when he saw the king, he forgot all about Joseph. (laughs) The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. That's what it says in verse 23. He forgot. He forgot him. He forgot all about Joseph. Go, Joseph. Live in the dream. Then, after two full years, the Bible says, Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret. And better late than never, the cupbearer remembered him, the same guy who had forgotten all about him. And Pharaoh, he tells, oh, there's a guy when I was in prison. Oh, yeah, that's right, Pharaoh, Joseph, I forgot all about you. Pharaoh calls for Joseph and he interprets the dream. And in a moment, everything changes. In a split second, everything changes. The Lord was with Joseph in the pit. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison, in the dungeon. And the Lord remained with Joseph so that he could interpret dreams. See, our problem is we get into the pit and we start moaning. We get into the prison and I'm a cranky pants. And then I move further and further away from the promises of God because I'm impatient and because I don't see God at work and I move away from the things of God. So when the moment comes when I need to act for Jesus, it's not there. Could you imagine if Joseph moved away from God in the prison So that when God went to restore him, he did not have the gift to interpret dreams. Because he no longer had a connection with the Father. And this is where we as Christians need to be really careful. Because it's in the pit and it's in the prison where we feel we need to draw away because we're bad people. We've done something wrong. But actually... That's the place where we need to draw closer and closer and closer because then when the time of restoration comes, we need to hear from the Father and bam, 
everything changed. In verse 39, I don't even know what chapter, but Kerry went looking for it. So I think it's going to appear on the screen. Genesis 41, verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and he put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot. Yes, as he's second in command and people shouted before him, make way. And thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Well, that's a little bit different. In the prison one day and in the palace chariot the next day. That's incredible. That's remarkable. Could you imagine what happened when Joseph put his head on the pillow that night? Now, scholars say that Joseph was 30 when he became the ruler over Egypt. And if I do the maths, and I'm not a very clever mathematician, I'm a musician, it's 13 years. If I feel hard done by for 13 minutes, social media can take my rant around the world really quickly, like in 13 hours. Or in 13 days. Could you imagine how much damage I could do to myself ranting for 13 months? 13 years. That's extraordinary. That's integrity. That's, um, that's God working in someone and God working through someone. That's impressive. Joseph's life is a testimony of the long-term effects of integrity. So many other people, even in the Bible, took their situations in their own hands to fix things and they completely stuffed it up. (laughs) But Joseph had the integrity to wait. Joseph had the integrity to wait. And I know that what I would have done if I was Joseph on my first day out of jail, I would have said, where's Potiphar's wife? (laughs) Oh, I'm going to hurt her. (laughs) Do you have an inner voice that speaks in your head? (laughs) Mine is an (laughs) African-American. And I don't know why, but every time I have a thought in my head, oh, I'm going to get her. Oh, she ain't going to last one second. This inner voice talks to me in this African-American voice, but I know what I would have done if I got out of jail and I was Joseph. I would have wanted to make her pay. I was in charge of everything. I could have had her gone. Disappear. But Joseph had integrity. And he knew that the Lord was with him and that was enough. And my challenge to you this morning is, do we know that that's enough? Do we know that it's enough that God is with us? 
In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may get everything you want and be awesome. That's my paraphrase, but it's not what it means. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything so that we can be mature. mature. You know, there's lots and lots of Christians who jump ship before they're mature because they choose to do things their own way and blame God for tough circumstances. Don't be one of those. Hang in there. Because the Lord is with you. Because the Lord is with you. And you know what? We need the character that holds the calling. If you have a calling and you don't have character, you might fake it for a little while. But things like integrity, it can't be pretended. (laughs) You're only going to fake it for so long until you run out of steam because that's hard work. But when we allow God to get a hold of us and to challenge our character as often happens in the pit and in the prison, then we become mature. It's then when we become mature. And in the end... Joseph chooses to help his brothers out in the famine. There's a big famine in the land. Pharaoh's dream was all about this coming famine. There was going to be seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. And so Joseph encouraged Pharaoh to make sure that you stored up stuff in the time of abundance because when the famine came, then you'd be able to feed everyone and there would be enough for everyone. And Joseph's brother came from afar to to get help, not knowing that Joseph was the kingpin. I probably would have want to make them pay a little bit too. <laughs> I know, right? You're all thinking, gosh, thank you for the redemptive work of Jesus in that woman. <laughs> you would too. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what Joseph says to his brothers? He says, well, you meant for evil. <laughs> well, you meant for evil. God meant for good. And when you choose forgiveness and integrity, the outcome is always good. It may be not right away. It may not be immediate. It may be really hard lessons in the middle, but eventually the outcome is good. And you have to hang in there because the Lord is with you. Choices choices are hard things. Sometimes we don't know what to do and sometimes our reactions make the choice for us. Have you ever noticed that? We make choices out of our character. Our choices come out of who we already are. We don't make choices out of someone who we're not. Our choices come out of who we are. And so we we make good or poor choices based on our character, who we are. And so maybe my biggest challenge to you today is perhaps to ask God to help build your character. I tell a story once of when I ask God for patience, that blue Corolla You're all looking out for that blue Corolla that's travelling down by fantastic furniture at like 20 kilometres an hour 
when I was in a hurry and I was late for work. Do you? I have told that story a few times. And when you ask God for character, to build your character, to, to, to strip away the things that are not of him and to give you integrity and to give you patience and to forgive you, you might end up in the pit and you might even end up in the prison, but the Lord is with you. Daniel and his mates ended up in the fiery furnace seven times hotter than what it usually was under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. Stick him in there, they're going to... Jesus was in the fire with him. He didn't save them from the fire. He got in the furnace with them. Who's that guy who's walking around in the furnace? Oh, that's Jesus. There's that African-American voice again. It's 24-7. Jesus doesn't stop them from the fire. The fire is so hot that even the guards who went near the furnace, they are burned. And there's Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego walking around the furnace and there's Jesus in there. And they're like, didn't we put three people in there? But there's four people in the furnace. God may not save you from the fire, but he is most certainly in the furnace with you. The Lord is with you. God didn't save Joseph with the big mouth and the outspoken 16, 17-year-old ego. He didn't save him from the pit, but he was with him in the pit. God didn't bring some prophet over to Potiphar and say, no, thus saith the Lord. Joseph never did it. No, Joseph went to prison, falsely accused, but the Lord was with him. And in an instant, he was restored. It's only a matter of time until the truth comes to the surface. So if you have been falsely accused and you're feeling pretty rubbish, can I just encourage you and say one day, if you keep your heart right and you stay close to the Lord, the the Lord's going to do it. He's our advocate. He is our advocate. And so maybe you've made some bad choices. And although we may not avoid the consequences of bad decisions, we can decide to turn things around from this moment. Integrity says, I've made mistakes, I'll own it. And I'm sorry. Integrity stands the test of false accusation, poor treatment. And when the Lord is with you, you can do it. And when the Lord is with you, you can do it.